loyal Jersey Jack customers right now are singing this song. Oh, where are they at? Where's the pinball media out? Where are the other pinball podcasters out there that are covering probably the biggest news story that's happened this year, that the world's second largest pinball companies, Playfields, are having serious issues, that the world's second largest pinball company out there will not come out with an official statement, that the world's second largest pinball company out there has no solution for their customers. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how, once again, Everyone out there who's got pinball shows is ignoring this topic. I just saw the TPN new show is Dwight Sullivan Appreciation Show. Great. What a timely thing to do right now is appreciate Dwight Sullivan. You don't even know if the Mando code is any good. A little premature for that appreciation thread. But here's the thing. We're going to talk about this playfield issue and what the current news is around it. I also am here to tell you on this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast, I think I might have been wrong on Spooky Pinball's next title. I got some really, really credible information from someone who also was my source for Mandalorian. So I'm going to tell you the other potential title it could be. It's going to be one of these two. So on this episode, you are going to hear what could be the next spooky title. It's either going to be Halloween or this title. And that's it. I'm only placing two bets on this blackjack table. There might be six or seven or eight hands or possible themes. It's not going to be Evil Dead. I'll confirm for all of you out there right now. It's not Evil Dead. It's not Beetlejuice. It's not Texas Chainsaw Massacre. What else? It's not Scooby-Doo. It's not this. It's not that. I'm going to tell you what it is, okay, on this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast. But I want to read something first that I think summarizes what everyone out there has been thinking about when it comes to these play field issues, because this is not an issue that's only affecting collector's editions. It's not an issue that's only affecting Jersey Jack Pinball. Playfield quality has been such an important issue for all of us out there that want to make sure we get quality products. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this right now. A quality product is more important than a magical product. I would rather have a pinball machine that actually holds together. I would rather buy from a company that actually stands behind its product and has confidence in its product's quality. I would rather support those companies than buy games that might have magical stuff in it, but yet every time I look down at my game, I start to see it fall apart. And every time I have an issue with my game and I reach out to the company, it's either radio silence or the solution they're telling me is not a solution at all. And we're going to talk about that. So here's the news. Here's the latest. There is still, as of today, no official response from Jersey Jack Pinball. Like, what's going on, guys? This isn't exactly the time to go radio silent. There is no official statement at all from the company. I haven't heard from Ken. I haven't heard from Brett. I haven't heard from Lloyd. He's not even an official member. So stop asking Lloyd for an official statement. But here is what is happening behind the scenes around this topic. They're calling up people with collector's editions who are having issues, and they are saying they will buy your game back from you. 
So let's just talk about that real quick. If you have a collector's edition, you know right now you got one of the 500 and your game is worth way more than $12,500. So nobody in their right mind is going to accept a refund of twelve five on a game that is selling at the current market value of eighteen dollars to $20,000. Why would you do that? Now, they know all too well that nobody will take them up on this offer. Sort of they think it's a smart, clever move by Jersey Jack Pinball. Let's offer someone a solution we know they're not going to take. Let's offer them to buy the game back. But here's the other crazy part. They were offering this to Ellie buyers that were having issues with their game. And if you follow up with Jersey Jack Pinball on that offer with Barry over in customer service, I've had people share with me the correspondence between them and Barry. They don't even know what it entails. They're like, maybe we'll mail you a box and you put your game in your box and you send the game back to us and then you'll be refunded. But they're not following through with the LE owners who have said, yes, I will take you up on your offer to buy my game back. Let's see anyone who has said yes to that offer share with us an example of that actually going through and that transaction happening because I don't think Jersey Jack actually understands the logistics around this and how difficult that is and I don't think anyone's even doing it. So it's not really a solution. But here's the other part. What if I bought a collector's edition of Guns N' Roses? What if my game is having serious issues? What if I don't want to sell it back to you? What if I want to keep this game? If I want to keep the product I bought from your company, what is your solution for me then? And the answer is they don't have one. They don't even have a solution that is a win-win. A win-win would be you get to keep your game and they have a solution for you. Now that solution might be a new play field in which the new process that they put in place means there's not going to be this issue moving forward. I don't know how you do that. I don't know if anyone trusts Mirko at this point, but they need to figure out that side of the narrative. It has to be, we need to do something that will solve the issue so people can also keep their product and have peace of mind. And I also want to say this. For those of you out there that are saying, oh, you greedy collector's edition owners, you've, you've been handed an extremely valuable game now and you're moaning and groaning because you don't want the refund and you're being greedy. I want to say to everyone who's saying that, you're wrong. It's not just the collector's editions. It's the LEs. It's the SEs. This isn't a class warfare topic. This is a consistent issue that has been impacting games no matter what the trim level of the game is. A playfield defect is a playfield defect. It is agnostic to what model you bought. So the solution, it doesn't matter if you have an SE, an LE, or a CE, the company needs to figure out an official statement and some sort of solution that they offer to all of those buyers. And you can't look at it in a vacuum of collector's edition people are different because they're not. We're all just people who bought a game. We're all people who want the game. That's the hardest part. Remember, this is the greatest Jersey Jack pinball machine of all time. This is arguably one of the greatest pinball machines of all time. And people don't want to give it up. It is crazy to me that they can't figure out a solution in which you get to experience their product and have great quality. 
Why does it have to be a trade-off? If you're unhappy with the quality, we'll just take the product back. That is not a solution. All right, now I want to read what I think was the smartest post in all of these threads happening on Pinside because right now there's like five or six different threads in which people are talking about playfield issues. And Chris Hutchins, who runs high-end pinball, this man is probably the greatest pinball restorer in the history of pinball. He knows how to make machines even better than they came from the factory. And if you've ever seen a HEP pin, that's the initials of high-end pinball or high-end pins, I think it's high-end pins, you know that this man understands attention to detail and quality and how to put stuff together better than anybody in the industry. He's in North Carolina. And I want to read to you what he wrote because I think this is it. This is the final word on this topic. He wrote, all these band-aids to overcome and mask a potentially bad product are stupid. Make the playfields right. Someone clearly has the art, ability, and equipment. Make it happen. Whosever job this is, do it. This is just a true summary of the many threads on the subject. All the back and forth is worthless. These are not normal outcomes or issues you would expect. Where from use? Yes, I can expect that. Dimples from use? Yes, I can expect that. Doling over time with use? I can expect that. Ink lifting and peeling down to bare wood around simply needed parts like posts to build the game within months after said assembly, let alone ever? No, this is not acceptable based on history alone. I can tear down a wood rail from the 1950s that doesn't have or show that. It's 70 years old. Stop it. Fix it. If this is your job, please take it seriously and do it. It's clearly important, not normal, and not optional. You will ultimately make your own life easier as well as others. And that's it. That's all we want. That's all we've ever wanted. Fix this problem. You're going to have to halt production. You're going to have to figure out with Mirko who's to blame. Here's the other crazy part. And I've had people that have reached out to me and said, hey, I spoke to Mirko today. And Mirko is saying it's a Jersey Jack issue. They're saying that it's the Jersey Jack assembly of these games that's causing this. I don't buy that. There is no way that this is a Jersey Jack issue. It's a play field issue. Whether it's the ink around the post and the need to remove the digital ink there, whatever it is, they need to figure it out. Now, I know Jack is also calling up people one by one and saying to them, what can I do for you? How can I help you? That's not a solution. Now, look, I know everybody feels crummy about this. They do. They all feel horrible about this because this is what pinball has come down to when I look at this industry. There really is only one company that I think that like just makes you feel damn good about buying their products. And I'm not even going to say Stern. Look, Stern Pinball, they're the juggernaut. They have the best themes, the best manufacturing, and they just pump them out. Every year, three to four titles, they pump them out. They don't put a ton into their games. You know they don't put a ton into their games. Let me just go on a little bit of a sidetrack. What is Baby Grogu? What is Baby Yoda's role in the show? He uses his force powers to save the Mandalorian. How can you look at the Mandalorian pinball machine people and not use Baby Grogu to use the force powers to magnetically save the ball from draining? That is what his role in the damn show is. And Brian Eddy, 
couldn't use force powers to magnetically grab the ball, move it out of the out lanes or move it from the center drain and throw it back into play. And that would have been the greatest pinball moment in which Baby Yoda saves Mandalorian from defeat and from death. That's how the show is. And that is why I look at the Mandalorian. I'm like, eh. And you see hype around Mandalorian. It's like, eh, it's all right. It's all right. But Stern will do what Stern does. They will simply crank out games with very low bomb. They will not put as much as they can into the games. And it doesn't matter because Stern themes are amazing. And Stern's flippers are amazing. They have the best feel. Tournament players love them. They understand flow, artwork, and LCD is all you really need to do to sell these games over and over and over again. And their manufacturing is stellar. And I will give Stern credit. They had play field issues. And guess what they did? They stopped production during Jurassic Park and they fixed it. And we're not seeing play field issues like this on any Stern machines moving forward. Now, there might be a few that have them, but they know what the problem was and they fixed it. Now, Jersey Jack Pinball puts the most magic into their games, and yet the quality is this over and over again. Every single Jersey Jack game since The Hobbit has been plagued by quality issues, and we even saw it on Waz. I feel like The Hobbit was the only game that we didn't see playfield issues be the crux of the experience of owning it. Waz had playfield issues and it had lightboard issues. Hobbit didn't really have too many issues. Dialed In had playfield issues. Willy Wonka had playfield issues. Pirates of the Caribbean had playfield issues. And now we have Guns N' Roses with playfield issues. So if you want the most magical pinball experience, which I do believe are the Jersey Jack games, you need to also accept that the quality is poor. So the only company that I feel the best about throwing your money at, the only company that you could argue is the company that actually makes you feel good because you know you're giving money to a company which is putting all of their heart into the game, they're not trying to take stuff out, is Spooky Pinball. So Spooky Pinball over there in Benton, Wisconsin, this tiny little startup that made arguably one of the ugliest games ever in America's Most Haunted, sorry Ben Heck, slowly has climbed up over the years and now they have the best play fields in the industry. Let me repeat that. Spooky Pinball has the best play fields in the industry. They are now also going to have some of the best artwork in the industry. Wait do you see the artwork on the next game. It is insane. They also have great light shows. They have good rule sets. They have good themes now. And Spooky Pinball is putting more into their games. So when you buy from Spooky, look, I would admit they don't have the best games yet, but they're getting better with every one. But it just makes you feel good. Like when I buy from Stern, I don't feel great. I feel like you just you just gave your money to the big guys who actually yank stuff out of their games and you just made Gary Stern wealthier. I really do. That's how I feel. I know the games are good, but I don't feel great about a Stern purchase for that reason. Again, I feel like I'm supporting a company that's all about the bottom line and doesn't put that much magic in. When I support Jersey Jack Pinball, you initially feel great, right? Jersey Jack Pinball is like the best first date ever. You feel great. It's awesome. It's like it's like a girl you date where like the first date or two are so incredible and then you find out she's psycho and she's going to kill you in your sleep. And that's what happens with Jersey Jack Pinball. It's like you're having the best time ever. Oh, this is great. I got this high-end premium quality machine. And then you look down at your post and the ink and the art is pulling off the game and you're like, crap, now I don't even want to play it. Now I want to cover it up. Now we got to break up Jersey Jack Pinball. I can't date you anymore because if I do, I'm a sucker now because I've, I've followed you into this one time, two times, three times. We can't keep doing it. Now I will say, Toy Story, if it was announced tomorrow, 
Toy Story Collector's Edition, and they didn't even solve the problem from Guns N' Roses, they would still sell all 500 collector's editions. It's just the nature of this industry, and it's ultimately why none of these companies actually learn a lesson because the pinball buyers just run to whatever thing is available because they're hungry, like drug addicts, and there's not enough new pins in box. So they have to like, they have to just, they have to buy. They have to buy now and they don't even care. So what would I do? What would I do if I was Jersey Jack Pinball right now? Well, you got to stop production. You got to solve the problem. That's what you've got to do from the manufacturing standpoint. From a communication standpoint, you can't just go radio silent. This is not how you do it. And I know no one over there has been trained in the professional art of marketing and communications, but when it comes to an issue and a crisis, the number one thing every company needs to do is get in front of the problem. Right now, they're hiding. They're hiding. They're hiding. They're still sticking behind their warranty, which if, by the way, you read the Jersey Jack Pinball warranty, it basically says there is no warranty. They will not stand behind their playfields at all, not even in day one. If you unbox your game and the playfield has issues on day one, you will not be taken care of according to the warranty. They won't let you transfer your spot of your deposit. Your deposit is non-refundable. People have reached out to Jen and said, look, I'm seeing these issues. I don't want the game anymore. I would like a refund. And they are being told, no, they will not alter the paperwork. They will not alter the agreement. But I don't remember the agreement being you were going to sell me a game with a defective item, which is the play field. Maybe they should have a new policy where if you unbox your game, and within the first 60 days of ownership, you see any playfield issues, you get some restitution from the company. You know, look, this thing is not going to go away. This thing needs to be solved. And I think for all of us out there, I will say this. I want to give Jersey Jack Pinball time to solve this problem. It's unfortunate that it's happened mid-cycle on such a popular game like Guns N' Roses. But we all should give them the opportunity to fix it. But they also need to be respectful of the community that made this company what it is. They need to be respectful of all the buyers who gave them money and put their trust in Jersey Jack Pinball. And they need to respect those people by communicating to them, not behind closed doors, not one-to-one -one phone calls between Jack and customers. Say something, officially say something and acknowledge what's happening to hide and pretend is just making the problem worse. It's making the reaction of people worse. And it might be blowing this thing larger than it needs to be. And I happily invite anyone from Jersey Jack Pinball onto Canada's Pinball Podcast to discuss this and talk about the issue and tell us what you've done. I invite Mirko onto the show to talk to us about why he thinks it's not his fault that this is happening, but something happening with assembly. Now, I have buyers out there and customers, and I might get some of them on the show to talk to all of you about what it feels like to look down at your Jersey Jack game and experience this. Because we all should have empathy as well, that even though you don't own a GNR, telling people to just live with it and punch sand is not what we should be telling people in this community. And I know that a lot of you out there want to see Jersey Jack Pinball survive, as do I, but we shouldn't be giving companies a pass on bad quality because you want to see their next product. Like that's a selfish way to approach any industry. All right, so speaking of quality issues too, I mean, it's not just Jersey Jack with Playfields. I've been going through the Pinball Brothers thread with Alien Pinball. 
Now, it seems like two and a half years was not enough time to fix all of the problems of Andrew Highway's game. And so if you go into that thread, people are still having issues with the xenomorph and how it grabs the ball and how the jaw works and how the switches work and how the locking mechanism works. So these owners are once again having to take their games apart. And if I were you, I would just buy from companies where you have faith in the quality of the product. Do you have faith that the Pinball Brothers fixed all of Andrew Highway's problems? They clearly have not. Now look, it's still a little bit of a new startup company mentality and I know they're working to fix these issues, but this is why it makes no sense. Why didn't they mail like beta versions of this game to some people and have them find these issues out before they opened up the order banks and before they shipped and sold customer games? It's not like they needed to hide it. We knew this game was already a game. It didn't matter if this was like, oh, this is the Pinball Brothers version of Alien and we're testing it on location for six months to make sure we bulletproof it. People would have been like, great. But see, they didn't do that because they still wanted to act like every pinball company and they wanted to have their big moment in the sunshine and their parade in which they officially revealed the game to the world as if we didn't effing know it was happening. I mean, Canada's been telling you for two and a half years this game's coming back. Iceman's been telling you for two and a half years the game's coming back. And guess what happened? The game came back. And here it is. And now it's having issues again because they didn't quality test it. Oh, Chicago Gaming Company Cactus Canyon Remake is very, very close, people. It is very close. And it is going to have the craziest topper of any CGC machine. And I'm still hearing other pinball podcasts talk about how the game is shallow. Look, I've said it how many times? This game is going to have all new code. It is going to have all new code in it. And the other thing that I'm hearing is this, and I think this is coming. Now, here's the thing. Think about it for a minute. What is the number one complaint about modern pinball? It's that it doesn't have the mechanical magic of the Bally Williams games. What is the number one complaint about the Bally Williams games is that the code is a little shallow. It's not deep enough for the modern home buyer. Now I'm here to tell you, I think what's gonna happen other than just CGC remakes, here's what's gonna happen next. These games are now being looked at both from how can we recreate the mechanical magic, you know, you know make it one-to-one -one so the game plays just like it used to, but they're also going to revisit the software. And I'm predicting right now on Canada's Pinball Podcast that you are going to see software updates for some of these Bally Williams classic games so that any of you out there who has one will be able to update your software with new modes, new wizard modes, new adventures, and new dots, and all the fun stuff that could take your game and give you new adventures to play within that world. I mean, if you have a Theater of Magic or a Tales of the Arabian Nights, how amazing would it be if all of a sudden you could add a lot more depth and complexity to that rule set so that you could enjoy the game the way it is, you could also make it so it could compete with modern software titles in terms of all the different things you can do. How incredible would that be? And I think it's coming, and I think it's going to open up an entirely new revenue stream for pinball, and I think it's going to also change the way we think about buying pinball machines. So many of us are just chasing everything new in box because we think that's the best place to go to get new experiences, and we're right. 
You need to buy new games to get new experiences. But imagine if the best games of yesteryears could also provide new experiences with software updates. And I'm shocked no one's done it before, and I predict it's going to happen very soon in the near future in the pinball world. All right, let's end this episode with Spooky Pinball. So, I told you it was going to be Halloween. I told you they're making a 1,000 units of their next title. I might be wrong on both of those fronts. Here is what I think it's going to be. It's either going to be Halloween or the theme I'm going to share with you right now. I also heard that they are doing a three-tiered system of games. Now, I think the way that's going to work is instead of having this long checklist of options, they're going to let you check like collector's edition, which will include all of the options, right? It's like last time it was like you could get the butter cabinet, you could get the decals, you could get this, you could get the armor. They're just going to be like, uh-uh. If you want everything, you got to check one box and we're going to make, they'll, they'll probably make as many of those as people want and that'll be the total number. I don't think they're going to limit it first. I think if everybody wants the full Monty, they will sell everybody the full Monty. So I think that's the way Charlie will do it. I think it's smart to do it that way. That way you don't make people feel like they're missing out. Everyone who can get one has a chance to fully load it. Okay, that's smart. But here's the thing I'm hearing. There are going to be more than a 1,000. I think what everyone is mishearing, because we see Charlie's upgrading his factory right now. I am hearing that there's going to be a 1,000 more on top of what their current production cycle is. So not 1,000 total, 1,750 total. So that is what I am hearing will be the number of total games they will make on the next run. Now, it's kind of smart if you think about it, because even if they say we're going to make 1,750 of this title, it doesn't mean they have to make them all at once. They can make 1,000, and then they could take a break and make something else, and then make the additional 750. And they will be fully transparent about when, about when they are making which number of those games. But why limit yourself, right? When Rick and Morty was limited to 750, if you think about it, that also was kind of stupid because now they can't make any more ever. And Rick and Morty would have sold if it was 1500 or 2000. People still would have bought it because it's Rick and Morty. They did get a nice FOMO being like, there's only going to be 750 ever. Rick and Morty's have held their value and then some. I'm still seeing them trade for around $9,500. So you didn't lose anything if you bought a Rick and Morty. Now, the other thing I'm hearing about this three-tiered game, though, that's interesting. There are going to be three playfield options on this title. So that would be really cool as well because I've always felt it kind of silly that when you buy the LE of a Stern, you get the same playfield as a premium. You should get something different the way Jersey Jack does its collector's edition. All right. So here's why I think this new title that I'm hearing about kind of makes more sense. If you think about Halloween, you think about Mike Myers. He's quiet, doesn't really say anything. He just kind of pops up and kills people. Not really engaging. Not a lot of personality there. This other theme, which I'm hearing from my source that gave me Mandalorian, this makes a lot more sense from a film franchise, from a movie franchise, because there's way more personality. There's way more humor and there's way more just like call-outs and modes that naturally jump out of this theme. Let me play it for you now and then talk about how I think this could be really well integrated into pinball. <laughs> Please, God. This 
is God. Sorry, kid. I don't believe in fairy tales. Uh, I'll see you in hell. Tell him Freddy sent you. Another Nightmare on Elm Street pinball machine. I can already hear people complaining, we've already had a Nightmare on Elm Street pinball machine. But look, we already had a Guns N' Roses pinball machine, so that's no argument. Look, I'm hearing that this could be the title. That Nightmare on Elm Street from Spooky Pinball with the greatest art package they've ever made. Now, here's why I think this would work for pinball, because Freddy Krueger is awesome. He's got that personality. He can make it really fun. And here's where I, here's how I would make this game. If I was doing it from a design standpoint, how cool would this be? Spooky Pinball's Nightmare on Elm Street. The goal of the game when you're playing it is to try to keep your character awake as long as possible. And the game itself is trying to fall asleep. And how cool would that be? Like the lights are slowly dimming. You have to hit shots in the right order to stay awake as long as possible. And that increases your jackpot. But ultimately, you will fall asleep. And then you find yourself in the nightmare battling Freddy. But how cool would that be if the whole machine goes dark and you actually start to fall asleep. And then boom, the lights come on and you're in that nightmare world of Freddy Krueger. Now, do you think this is going to be the game? Is it going to be Nightmare on Elm Street? Is it more exciting than Halloween? We knew it was going to be a spooky-themed horror movie sort of franchise. So it's either going to be Halloween or Nightmare on Elm Street. Now, Nightmare on Elm Street looks a lot more like that artwork that they shared in that little, little teaser, which will be revealed by the end of June, by the way. You are going to see this game by the end of June is going to be Nightmare on Elm Street or Halloween. But actually, the more I think about it, Nightmare on Elm Street seems like a better choice. Well, this has been episode 585. You can probably hear baby Killian crying in the background. I think he's got like a Jersey Jack playfield defective playfield. That's why he sounds that way. But look, I want to tell everybody out there, we want to have fun with pinball. I don't want to do shows where we're focused on quality issues. But I also think when these issues arise, we have to, as a pinball community and as pinball media, stand together and cover these issues. And I think too many people ignore it. I don't think anyone's fighting for consumers quite like Canada. And I'm not a hypocrite. I don't want to sell my Guns N' Roses. I don't want any of you out there who love this game to have to sell it. But I also don't think you should have to live with a defective playfield and be told to punch sand by the manufacturer. There has to be a win-win here. They need to solve it. They need to send you what the solve is. And even if you had a spare play field that was new, that had a new process, that would at least give you peace of mind as you played your game that was having issues. And clearly, dropping Mirko is not a solution for Jersey Jack Pinball. Clearly, they need too many play fields. Bader probably can't handle that many of them. And this is it. They're stuck with Mirko. Later.